1: Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Greg Ducharme, joined today by Mark Immelman and Kyle Porter. And we are here to discuss the World Golf Championship, Mexico Championships, and uh, quite an interesting finish we had here on Sunday. And the two fan favorites, Patrick Reed and Bryson DeChambeau, were the two coming down the stretch with the, with the chance to win in the end. John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, and others also had a chance to win. Uh, but congratulations to Patrick Reed getting the job done. Now, Patrick Reed is a player whose game, aside from all the off the golf course stuff, which I'm sure we'll talk about, his game isn't necessarily the type of game you would think suits a golf course like this. We're expecting great drivers of the ball, bombers of the golf ball, guys who are able to drive some of the greens on these par fours. Mark, what did you think Patrick did so well this week that allowed him to win?
0: Well, Greg,
2: to me, Patrick did what Patrick normally does. He plays with a, just an uh, immeasurable amount of grit. The guy finds a way to get the ball in the hole no matter where he's playing. And he did everything just well enough. I, he rode a fantastically hot putter the entire week. And if there is a, a mitigating factor around this golf course, to me, it is the greens. You know, sure, if you hit the ball long and high in this altitude, you're going to have the leg up because you're going have a number of short clubs in there. But by tour standards at altitude, this golf course plays pretty short, really. So even someone like Reed, who isn't short by any stretch of the imagination, but he'll get his, his share of wedges in here. And then he just figured out these Pioneer Greens better than anybody else. Um, he put the ball in the right place underneath a bunch of holes. If you watch how they came down the stretch and, and he gave himself the chance to putt aggressively and, and, and then indicative to me of really who the guy is, I mean, He's sitting there on 17. We were covering hole number 17, and guys were hitting long. They were hitting short. The wind was swirling around the place. They were all playing the game up in the air like everybody was here in Mexico. Reed gets in there with a wedge, flats this thing straight through the wind like a bullet, in there about 15 feet, drills that as you expected he would. And, and, and to me, the creativity there and the shot variation with a wedge was sort of what set him apart. So I, I would say he did this with what he normally does. He he wedges great and and he puts when it means something.
1: Guy that only hit 44 greens of regulation this week made 25 birdies, which was tied for the most. And to me, that was just extremely impressive. You're talking about 25 birdies, 44 greens of regulation. That's only 61% greens of regulation tied 52nd yet. He's first in birdies. What, what does this victory mean to you, Kyle? I know that you probably have some things in, in your article here that extend past the, the play that you saw, but, but what did you see out of Patrick this weekend?
3: Well, I like that Mark brought up the creativity because, and, and Brendan Porath brought this up on Twitter. He said, if you can get past all the extracurricular stuff with Reed, which you can't and you shouldn't, but if you can, he actually has like a a pretty interesting array of 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 shots and of shot shaping and I think that's a little bit and, and I, I, we're probably going to talk about the course later on but I I think you saw him um be pretty creative on this course. He finished fourth and strokes gained around the green and that sort of that sort of makes up for uh some of the driving numbers. I mean it's crazy. He was he was negative off the tee on three of four days and the other day he was basically like field average. So to go out and finish, uh, add it all up. He's 43rd on the week and driving and to, to go out and win a tournament that has, you know, Rom, Rory, uh, Bryson, these guys who are just murdering it off the tee. I mean, it, it was, it was, it was really impressive. And I think that, you know, for me, I, I think it's almost like some of the, other stuff with Reed has made me appreciate his game more, which sounds weird, but some of it you're like, okay, I'm so tired of talking about this other stuff. Like, is there anything else I can focus on? And so, and so you start actually watching him play, and you're like, this guy's like really good. And I know that sounds very simplistic, but I think you notice it more sometimes when 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 the other stuff is going on.
1: You're, I mean, you look, look at some of his recent form and don't forget a couple of years ago when this tournament was at the Patrick Reed was the guy who won that event and said, Hey, I'm a top five player in the world. You look at his recent form, basically since the incident. Um, well, let's go even before what happened in the Bahamas in the world golf championships, HSBC champions, um, in, in China, he comes in tied eight and then at the hero. Despite the incident, uh, despite the, we'll call it a rules violation, he lost by two shots. He came in third with a two-shot penalty for that situation that none of us can uh, can ever forget. Century Tournament of Champions tied second. Farmer's Insurance Open tied sixth. Now here uh, in, in Mexico, he gets the win. Mark, when you look at this guy, where, where do you rank him in the world? Is he really one of the five best players in the world?
2: Well, when he won this event down in Durrell, I was the guy interviewing him when he said
1: this. (laughs) There you go.
2: And so, you know, I guess it's sort of infamous in a way. When Patrick Reed is on, the the thing about first off the ball striking numbers and the greens and regulation stuff, this golf course in a funny way is similar to Augusta National, where because of the slopes and the greens and the, the, the elevation changes, sometimes missing a green is better off than hitting it 15 feet above the hole. And so a number of the greens that he did miss were in places where the up and down was fairly routine. So yeah. there was a element of strategy to how he approached. But to me, he plays an old school sort of a game. I mean, he's got the golf teacher and, uh, and, and you will, folks, especially the modern day instructor, will, will, will harp on about the dangling toe at the top of the golf swing and how he shuts the thing down with his forearms. And, and, and to, to me, he, he's prepared to be himself. The golf swing has never really changed very much through the careers, even from college. It has been refined. And when he works in his game with Kevin Kirk, his instructor, it's more figuring out golf courses. When he won the Masters last year, they went in there, and I was told, and I'm going to get the numbers somewhat wrong, but it took them a couple days to chart the golf course and figure out their plan to play Augusta National. And that's what he does. He he, he plays an old school game. He'll beat you with his short game. He puts the ball in the right place, and he's pretty one-dimensional in his ball flat. I mean, he can carve the thing from left to right if he needs to, but you can set your wristwatch on a right-to-left pattern over there. And, and when you're doing that and, and you can kind of know where the golf ball's going off the tee, even if you're not long, you can play from there. And, and that's, to me, the elements to his game that are so impressive.
3: Yeah, it, it's kind of a uh, – it feels like a little bit of an Open Championship type game like uh, a lot of stuff on the ground, great short game. You know, his best finish ever at the open was last year. He finished 10th. He's got uh, two other top twenties there, but I'm actually surprised that maybe he hasn't played a a little bit better there. You know, to Mark's point, what he's, what he was talking about, I think you saw it on hole 12 today. So that's the, uh, the 401 yard part four. And you've got Rory and Rom and all these guys just trying to blow it up there and just hit it a million miles in the air and, and, and have it come down softly. And, Reed just kind of flips it out there, runs it down the hill, and, you know, he doesn't reach the green, but he leaves himself this very straightforward up and down for birdie. And so you've got all these guys kind of flailing around. This is the time when, you know, J.T.'s all over the yard. Everybody else is kind of just messing around, not really, like, gaining any ground. And then all of a sudden Reed, you know, hits this 385-yard drive that rolled about 100 yards. And, you know, he's 45 feet from the hole, and up and down easy birdie and and all of a sudden he's that made him uh, 16 under and that was sort of the first time where I was like wait a second like is this is this going to happen here and so I I think I think to mark's point like he understands his game he knows what he does well and you know he went out today at least and uh, and achieved that
1: You know, a couple of the statistics that I look for that I I really, really like, and Mark, I think you'll like these statistics, too. One of them is birdie average, and one of them is scoring average. And if you look at Patrick Reed's birdie average, he's fourth on tour in, in birdies. This week, as we mentioned earlier, he leads the field. So it's extremely impressive the number of birdies that he can make, but he does it without hitting it extremely long. He is, I mean, I think a lot of people would probably call him sneaky long because of what Kyle just mentioned, right? You get on the 12th hole. It's a downhill hole. He doesn't really fly it with 125 foot apex. It's a little bit lower. Um, and, and a lot of his shots that I noticed this week were definitely a little bit on the, on the lower side. So it, it's extremely impressive, but when you look at, that birdie average and compare it to other players that are near the top of the leaderboard with the exception of Webb Simpson, who, who leads the way, these guys are two kind of outliers. You got Justin Thomas, you got Patrick Cantlay, Rory McIlroy, uh, Bronson Burgoon. I mean, last year, Gary Woodland was fifth in birdie average. These are the guys that typically make birdies and, what you're seeing out of Patrick Reed this year is, I, I think, a little bit of grit. You're seeing determination. You're seeing a guy that just simply pl- flat out knows how to score and he knows how to go shoot a score when he has to. And he does it time and time again. It's, it's extremely impressive to me.
2: Um, another, yeah, go ahead. So, Mark. I just want to say to your point in the final analysis, statistics aside, you know, golf is about the number in the lower right hand block of the scorecard and, yep. uh, and Patrick. Patrick is good at getting that number as low as possible, and and really, I looked at a guy today that looked like he was trying to just stick a big finger in the golfing world's face and go, "I'm here and I'm not going away, despite what's going on."
1: He, it almost feels like to me like he needs that. When he has that, it, it's a good thing for him. He uses it as a little bit of fuel. He needs that chip "me against the world" kind of attitude. And when when he gets into that position and everybody's against him, he is as dangerous as they come. What he can do with that flat stick is uh is remarkable to me um but but the player that was really close by him, the uh the player that really at by the time we got to say the 14th hole this was Bryson DeChambeau's tournament to win here and and at yeah. this point he was 7 under par he was coming off of a, a stretch where I mean he he makes birdie at 6 7 and 9 and then he makes birdie at 10 11 12 and 14 and he's on fire and it's looking like okay uh, the great driver of the golf ball Bryson, who bulks up, is is really coming around into form here. He's definitely going to take this tournament, and we're going to have another bomber win here in Mexico. Um, but it didn't happen. I, it was almost a little unfortunate that it didn't happen. I mean, really, just he shoots six under par and doesn't get the win. Does this speak to how difficult it is to win on the PGA Tour, or did Bryson make a big mistake at some point during this tournament? Mark, I'll start with you.
2: I think it's a little of both. It, it, the, the one thing, you know, when I sit in – Pre-season meetings with the PGA Tour folks, and they talk to us broadcasters. There's messaging that they want to get out, and and the one thing that they stress all the time is they want people to realize how hard it is to win on the tour because it truly is. And every year, as you watch the talent come through, it gets harder and harder. I mean, you've you, you've got the young bucks coming in, and the old bucks not seeding any ground. So so winning is difficult. And and, and at this place here, even though it's It wasn't fast like a US Open on the greens. It was fast enough. But the one thing about this golf course, it was devilish in the fact that if you just put the ball in the wrong place just one time, especially on these Piraneo greens, you were putting defensively and then you suddenly hit the rim of a hole and the thing releases there three, four, five feet past the hole and then you get Piraneo at one time. You know, all of a sudden, that's that. So it's, it's a little bit of the difficulty of winning on tour but Bryson also didn't close. I, I feel like The mistake that he made on 17 was telling Um, to to get in there. He's in front of Reed. You at least got to make sure that you get yourself a decent look at that back hole location. He tries to overpower the wedge, stands up against the wind, spins back down the hill and he's in a no good, no goes on. Couldn't keep the putt on the green. So, so, so there was a situation where to me, it was a little bit of a course management issue. Now I'm not standing here and I'm trying to profess that I'm the, the, the higher ground because if you take the lower club and you punch it through the wind and the wind dies, you're just as cooked. But trying to hit a hard wedge into the wind, that's a dangerous deal, especially on those bouncy in, uh, greens that were spinning back. And, and the one thing to get back to Reed, which he did that Bryson didn't there, Reed flighted the thing in lower there. All the back hole locations, you watch these power guys, they'd be coming in with wedges, ball up in there, hit hard, hits the green, spins back hard down the slope on the, on the receptive greens. That were, and then all of a sudden you're putting from 40 feet. So, so it was that sort of decision making to me too. That was a little loose, but, 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 you know what, any other week, what he's done was probably good enough to win.
1: Kyle, I'll ask you the same thing.
3: Well, I, I, I think what Mark said is right, and, and, and the, the part especially about him not, not closing. I mean, you look at the last four holes, they're playing about a half stroke under par to the field. Uh, and he plays them in one over, so you're losing a stroke and a half, and that's, you know, that's the tournament right there. That's the difference between winning and losing. And, you know, it's, it's hard, it, look, it's tough. Like, he shot a 65 on Sunday. Like, I, yeah. it's hard to criticize that, and yet, and yet you don't get, you don't, you're not in that position with three or four holes left in a tournament very often. Like, you don't get a ton of those shots, and you just have to figure out, how to play those holes at even par or under par or something like that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, Dylan deshay said this on Twitter and he's like, look, we, it's easy. Like making fun of Bryson is kind of a sport. It's easy, whatever he realizes. He understands that driving is the most important thing on the PGA tour. Like it's, it's not close right now. Like if you're a great driver, you're going to be successful. And he went out, and he gained a bunch of weight, he improved his driving in terms of distance and he's had success because of it. And I think, you know, we we sit here and like make fun of all the science and all whatever, but like that's a real thing that happens statistically. Like you if you look at the numbers, that that happened. And I think he's probably not getting enough credit for uh for that happening. I will say the putt on 18, we haven't talked about that. That was that was tough because that felt like he just was like thinking about it. Like it felt like it, like it, the moment actually got to him, which was interesting. But yeah, I think Bryson deserves a lot of credit for, for the way that he is, uh, he's improved his driving and, and, uh, you know, upped his game. I, we'll see if it trans, translates to the majors. You know, WGC Mexico is a little different than Augusta or, or, uh, Wingfoot or something like that. But, um, yeah, it's been impressive so far on the PGA tour.
1: We'll see what he can do. Um, the, you know, you mentioned that putt on 18. You also mentioned in the, there's a lot that you got into there. One of the things was science and Bryson, the way he thinks, I almost think on 18, he overthought, he, he overthought that putt and he kind of tricked himself. Typically when you're in a must make situation, especially a downhill situation on the final hole of a tournament where you have to make it or the final hole of a match, this could be an, an amateur player as well. You, you are in a must make situation. You typically will read it to uh match your normal speed and you'll hit it a little bit harder because you don't want to leave it short and so you miss on the high side that's generally what will happen um but for bryson there he left it low and short and he wasn't even really close and i'm almost thinking well bryson said uh, everybody overreads this everybody hits this too hard let's just coax it down there uh, and try to get this it's almost like he overthought it and it didn't work out and and that was disappointing
3: yeah, it was, and it was weird on the. It felt like for most of the day, and especially on the back nine, he was kind of. I don't know if he was like trying to die putts into the hole, but he was doing this thing where he would hit the putt, and then he would like almost turn his whole body toward the hole and like kind of like try to like will it up there. And and it was weird to watch because most guys you watch them putt, and they just hold their their stance or their their follow through, um. Until the putt either goes in or doesn't. And he would like turn his whole body and like be trying to like get the ball to the hole. And, and I think from the position that he was in, I think it was a downhill putt on 18, at least a, just a little bit. And yeah, he, he just seemed to be like trying to die it in. And you're like, man, you gotta, you can't leave that two feet short. You gotta get it there.
1: Mark, when you look at his, his technique with the putter, do you think he's a little too rigid? Do you see too much tension or, or anything, uh, wrong, uh, quote unquote wrong with that technique?
2: Well, it depends what sort of length plat you're looking at. I mean, if you're looking at 10, 15 feet and inside, I think his technique is fantastic because everything's so stable. But if you get yourself to a situation where you're outside 30, 40 feet, that sort of range, I think like then… Like you saw in that, 17. Like you saw in 17. That's where a situation where the certain sense for the feel and the ability to create a little lever in, in, in the wrist like a an old… like like a Brad Faxon, for argument's sakes… You, you sacrifice that sort of a thing. Uh, I, I wanted to comment on on the way he reacted to the putts that Carl mentioned. Um Putting aside, as far as intensity goes, my interactions with Bryson and, and a few other guys on the tour when I'm out there and, inside the ropes with him, he has an intensity about him that I think is only rivaled by Jordan Spieth. You know, other guys are intense, but they don't wear it on their face like like a Woods. You know, he's all in and he's gonna and he's gonna work here. Bryson, you can see that every shot he's over, this is like his life is depending on this sort of thing. And that's why you saw some of these putts down the hole and, and, and you get see the pressure getting up and all of a sudden you hit this putt and you're so interest interested in seeing the thing going in that that you sort of lose your shape some. And that just speaks to his personality. The guy has broadcast, I mean he has telegraphed the fact that he's gonna do anything to beat you or get the ball in the hole and beat you. He's gonna bulk up, he's gonna use this style putter, he's gonna use one length clubs. He is trying anything, and so I think you see some of that in his reaction to shots, but as far as the putting goes, I've watched him on fast greens uh, when you can swing very small and hit a 30-footer easily, and he will wear you out. But if you put him on stuff where there's bunches of slopes and stuff, I think that's where the method sort of, I don't want to say falls down because he's a good player, but but, but it, it gets exposed in my opinion a bit.
1: It's very interesting. I mean, he is a player. You mentioned that intensity. It's something I definitely admire. I know he takes a lot of flack for his pace of play and probably deserves to because um, it does take a while at times. But I admire what he does. I mean, he's a guy that doesn't really care what anybody thinks. He goes out there and he seems like a he seems like a really good guy. So I, I definitely have an appreciation for Bryson. and It'll be interesting to watch. Um, to to watch this kind of new version of Bryson for the rest of this year on the PGA Tour. Uh, but another player who whose putter really betrayed him this week was Rory McIlroy. And we saw another short putt missed early in the round on the third hole. He missed a five-footer, and it, it almost, I don't want to say it derailed him completely. We've seen moments like that derail Rory more but uh, but but it just wasn't Rory's day. And, but yet then at the same time, not Rory's day, but another fifth place finish, a solo fifth finish. This play from Rory McIlroy has been extremely consistent. Kyle, when you look at Rory so far at the start of this year, are you are, are you uh, in awe at this consistency, at this um, ability? Or are you wondering, well, what's preventing Rory from getting the job done?
3: I think with Rory, it's always a little bit of both, right? Cause it, it looks so easy so, so much of the time. And then, you know, I, it's interesting cause I go back to Friday. So he starts, he plays the first 11 and one over. And to me, that, that felt like where he kind of lost the tournament, like looking back on it because, you know, 65 on Thursday. It's set up for him to kind of do the runaway and hide Rory thing that he's done so many times over the course of his career, including last year at, at, you know, Canada and, and places, I can't remember where else did he win, uh, tour championship. He didn't really run away, but you know, places where he just gets out in front and defends. That's, that's how Tiger won. That's how Rory, that's how he won the players. And he, he just, he let it kind of slip through his fingers. It felt like on Friday afternoon when he, when he didn't, um, he didn't, you know, he kind of got lapped by some guys and, and then he was kind of in it. I mean, look, his floor right now, I think here's the thing. I think his floor right now is, is as high, maybe, maybe higher than it's ever been before. Um, I don't know that his ceiling right now is as high as it's ever been. And, uh, I don't know that that'll, that part of it will be interesting to watch the rest of the year, but his floor man, like, he's an auto, it's crazy because we talk about guys who are like auto top tens. He's like an auto top three or top five. I mean, it's just every single time out. And to me, that's, that's tough. That's a skill to be that consistent at that high of a level. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm super impressed by where the floor is right now.
1: It definitely seems like um, every Friday night, Mark, when we get together and talk about the first half of the tournament, Rory's going to be the first guy we talk about because he's going to be right there. He does it time and time again. And we almost leave feeling disappointed when he doesn't win. We feel like he's letting us down. Where do you stand with Rory in this?
2: Well, I'm sure Rory feels a little disappointed now as he's with a family, getting ready to head off uh, back home to the East Coast. And with that East Coast in mind, I want to pitch a theory at you guys. If you look at the 18 events that he's won on the PGA Tour, there's only been one that's been on the West Coast, on Poe Greens, and that was the match play where you're playing head-to-head against people. Everything else has been on bent grass or Champions Bermuda. Uh, When The way he's putting right now, if you're putting on pure services the way he's hitting, I think it is one-way traffic. I I honestly believe that what we saw today, because he made his share of putts in round one, uh, but the scoring was hard, so no one was really getting away. So he was going to, the ball striker is going to whip you in that situation. You know, when it's a birdie fest, then you go with a putter guy normally. And then in rounds two and three and four, he had the old new putter in the bag because last week at Riviera he went to a putter that was one inch longer, didn't work out very well. So he went to his old version, putted great, but then there was this uh, this return to the median, if you will, on the Poirier greens, and he battled on the greens Rounds two, three, and four. And if he just makes any, I mean, if Rory putts like Patrick Reed did, now this is an F, okay? And if he I would was, win by 15. They'd have the mercy rule for the rest of the field. So, so I'm going to look at this and go, McElroy, Pony agrees. He's not that comfortable on them. A lot of players aren't. But a lot of players, the way they hit putts, you know, they, they okay, but you watch Rory when he starts hitting, missing one or two putts, you can almost see it etched in the comportment. He goes, Oh, here we go again. And, and, yep. and, and that's such a mental and such a frustrating battle to have to navigate when you're competing against Rahm and Justin Thomas and Tiger Woods and all sorts of crowds. So, so hell, I mean, he's good enough to your, to Carl's point, to your point, to but crappy and, and still have a shot to win because he had a shot coming down the stretch. Didn't bury the par-5 coming in. Um And, you know, watch, just just watch when we get on Champions Bermuda Greens. Arnold Hill, players, then fast forward to Augusta National unbent. And Quail Hollow, we've seen what he does over there. Let's just pump the brakes a little bit and let's revisit this thing when we sort of midway through the summer.
1: Okay, you heard it here first. Mark Olmert's going with Rory and his one and done pick at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. It's <laughs> it's it's a,
3: it's a, it's a really time. interesting point. I I had not I had not really thought about it from that angle, Mark. And I think that I think it's a really smart point. And it, it it'll be interesting to see what that means for the Florida swing. Um, you know what that means for the summer. Obviously, PGA Championships at Harding Park, where he has won. Um, I don't know. I I think that's I think, I think you're right about like the way he's hitting it, right? Like if you went out and played a thousand rounds and you only measured T to green, he would win by a lot, like in terms of strokes gain. And so you put yourself in, in, in that position that many times, uh, it's going to happen at some point and, and maybe it happens when they move to Florida. The,
2: the thing about this, the thing about this, and I just want to add it real fast and I'll sort of put a bow on the thing. All the pro golfers I've worked with, aspirant PGA Tour professionals, guys who play on the PGA Tour, Corn Ferry, European Tour, whatever. I've my my parting shot to them, technique aside, is to say, if you want to win, you got to you got to beat sort of like five, maybe ten, maybe ten guys coming down the stretch, but large, largely five, and you beat them by making putts. Y- yeah, you can outdrive them, and you can get five rounds into par five greens and such. But I've watched guys hit five irons to power fives and then miss a five footer. And then you have a Patrick Greed who scraps it all over the show and then buries the putt that means something. So, so for McElroy at the situ- where they are, as, as tightly bunched as everyone is at the top of the game right now, it's gonna come down to a putt somewhere. It really is. Rory's gonna se- se- separate himself with the driver. Woods is gonna separate himself with the irons. Whoever of these guys makes that one timely putt. When it, you know, when you're coming down the back nine to, to the second nine uh, that becomes the winner and, and so that's the situation with McIlroy right? with all of them but especially McIlroy you
1: know,
3: real quick uh, their,
1: go, go ahead Kyle
3: real quick here's your top 10 in strokes gained Tita green so far this season Terrell Hatton's number one didn't see that coming well he hasn't uh, played
2: any events though man well he's played he's played four events three
3: so mm-hmm. he played, I guess HSBC, CJ Cup, that that stretch last at the end of last year. Yeah,
1: that's right.
3: So so Hatton won, Rory two, Xander Hideki, Boo Weekly number five, Justin Thomas,
1: <laughs> Boo,
2: <laughs>
3: Justin <laughs> Thomas, uh, Finau, Cantlay, Day, and then uh Mark's boy, Colin Morikawa at number ten.
2: Mark's boy, Come on now. Where's your boy, by the way? So, uh,
3: he, I you, have you to gotta go keep couple, scrolling. A couple pages, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <there's, laughs> <laughs> he he is uh he's situated right between i i don't know he might not even, they might have just taken him off just spared
2: thought, him the i thought he just went in Puerto i just thought he went in puerto rico didn't he isn't he also your boy oh, oh that I boy
3: thought yeah, i thought you were that. talking about i thought you were I talking about
2: speed. if anyone oklahoma state and spieth is his boy
1: yeah that's true okay yeah. so we got more than one i i love- like that we're we're gonna get to victor hovland a little bit later on here
2: but there are
1: more there are more big stars to get to here we still got to talk about uh john um, john rom's a guy who basically was breaking my heart he was my one and done pick for the week and he goes out in 72 follows it up (laughs) 69 and we're a roller coaster uh, yeah this is uh, i'm watching i'm saying uh well this is why you pick big names in, uh, in no-cut events. Cause he's still, maybe he can make a run and get himself into the mix. Well, little did I know that he would end up having the lead at one point after shooting 61, highlighted by a hole in one on number 17, and then coming out and making birdie on the first three holes, uh, taking the fourth hole off and birdie in number five. I mean, this was a run that was, um, I, I haven't seen a run like this very often. I mean, he's on pace to shoot basically 61, and if he continues for the back nine, he could shoot you know 61 twice in a row. He's on that kind of pace when he gets off to to that great of a start. Is this is a case where he just he just ran out of gas, is just too many too many birdies and too short here to keep it going? Or uh you know where where what do you make of John Rahm in this run that he went on?
2: This is probably going to sound intellectually lazy, but to me it's golf. I mean, it, it's like I'll use Spieth as an example here. Um. Jordan, 2015, 2016, couldn't miss. You knew there was going to be a market balance, if you will. It it just couldn't continue. You know, if if I were on on, any player, they'll tell you if you're on some five, six birdie heater, you know, they're supposed to think, well, let's just keep going and we'll keep making birdies. They're sitting there thinking, dang, when's this lot going to come to an end? Ram got off on a flyer, and, and re- remember this, and I learned this from Peter Costas. Kyle, that's for you. Um, Costas said to me, <laughs> he goes, when the guy shoots 61, and then he backs it up with 69 or 70 or 71, it's not that he can't follow up the bad round. It's that that 61 is an outlier, and his stroke average is 69. So there's that balancing that's going on. So for Ram, I mean... The guy went bananas in round three. There was a hole in one. There were all those birdies and stuff. Any birdies his first, what, three in a row or four or five? Yeah, or something.
1: four <laughs> or five. Three in a row and four or five.
2: It, it, it's incredible. I've got to tell you, I, I didn't, I'd love to ask John. I'm like, dude, were you thinking about this? I mean, you're on this purple patch. You're in the zone. And, and, and here's the thing about the zone. As Paul Stankowski said to me, he goes, the problem with the zone is when you know you're in the zone, then you're no longer in the zone because you're thinking about it. <laughs> Right. So, so, I think it was just a little golf I mean the guy's playing so good You look at his scoring right now That He has played how many events he's finishes have been off the charts too And I think there's only been two rounds In all the rounds that he has played That he's shot par or over So I mean the guy is playing Unbelievable golf right now And if it was a, 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 a story of probability I'd say probability of winning here Pretty shortly is high
1: Now he basically, you mentioned how good he's been playing. He's basically on his career uh, at right around 50% of top tens in the events on the PGA tour that he plays, that's about the percentage of top tens that he comes in. It's really a remarkable run. Kyle, when you look at this at what point with John Rahm are we going to get to the point if ever, where we wonder, why is this guy not winning more? We're, We're impressed by all of his top tens, top fives, all of his great play. And, international wins is there going to be a point soon here where we say we need to see john rom win more on the pga tour
3: yeah i was thinking about this because he you know it it was interesting kind of the timing of everything he touches the lead at at, uh i think he got to 15 early on on uh sunday he got to 15 under touches the lead and then it's almost like and some people on twitter were kind of saying some things about this and, and i agree it's almost like he touches the lead and then he like he gets super uncomfortable and things like start going crazy. You know, whether that's like hitting it in the water on seven or whatever hole that was and then, you know, falling back. I, I want, I do wonder about his comfort level with a lead of that magnitude in a big tournament like that. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. That, that remains to be seen. He's so young. Um, that, that has to play itself out to kind of figure out what that's all about. But it was good, you know, he's been putting it lights out. I mean, he's been putting unbelievably to start the year. And some of, some of that was like, man, are these wasted putting weeks? Is it was Tory a wasted putting week where he finishes, you know, first or second in putting, is that a, is that a week where he should have won if he would have just hit it like he normally does. Um, so it was good to see him kind of, to me, get back on track on the weekend in terms of the tee to green stuff. Cause he was, I, I think probably the top guy in the field, on Saturday and Sunday from T to Green. And, uh, that's his bread and butter. I mean, that's all these guys that are finishing up at the top consistently. That's where they thrive. And that's certainly where he thrived on the weekend.
1: It's just fantastic play. Time and time again with John Rom, we're seeing great play. I gotta think when he gets a, when he gets a win. I mean, he's, he's got three wins on the PGA tour and he had an opportunity. If he added his fourth win today, he he had a very good chance of becoming the number one player in the world. I think we all expect him to get there at some point. So it'll be very interesting to watch. Um, another big name, a former world number one, also playing today, and to me had the most disappointing round of the entire tournament, and that was Justin Thomas. And Justin Thomas came out today and had some real trouble off the tee. He was missing fairways. <laughs> Mark, we talked about on Friday how I said, well, Justin Thomas is the best iron player in the game aside from Tiger Woods. Uh, and we had our little chuckle about that, but today <laughs> he didn't have a chance to, he didn't really have a chance with his, he, he didn't have a chance to, to show off or utilize that ability because he was only using the, the club pro guy punch out game all day. So what, when, when you see that, that, um, pretty much it was only a laugh miss after the second hole, he missed left time and time again. We saw a little bit of this at Riviera. Do you think this is something to be really concerned about with JT? Or do you think this is kind of a simple fix? Uh,
2: well, there was, when I called him, I was out on course with him for PGA Tour Live in round two, I think it might have been. Uh, and, and he was battling because he sets up to hit that sliding fade and, and, and when he tees the ball down and he gets down the grip, he calls it his fairway find and he can get it out there 300 plus, but the ball is a little, little flatter in its trajectory. And when he gets up to pound one uh, and, he, and he swings left on some, you know, something you've got to be careful of if you carry a pretty strong club face like he does. And so if you swing a little left and you get a face too shut by the path, to the path, that thing's not going to cut back. And so that's what I was seeing then. And so there was a continuation of that stuff a little bit here in the final round. Um, I, 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 I'm not concerned because he is, at times, he's virtuoso with a driver. The way I look at it this year this might again sound a little intellectually lazy, is that if you're swinging the thing at 120 mile an hour plus, you open yourself up to a few more misses off the tee than the guy who's going at 115 or less. So so, so for me, JT, I don't see any need to be adjusting on the golf swing. Uh, He hits the ball in the fairway enough. This golf course was also a little different in that a number of the holes, the dog legs, you could drive it through the dog leg real easy. So on holes, you'd have to take it up and over hardwoods, so he couldn't effectively use his low fairway finder because he'd drive it through the fairway. So when he's dropping back to hit one in the air and he swings left and that face is shut in the path, that's where that left stuff you were seeing was coming from. So, so I, I think the golf course and the setup of the holes had a little bit to do with it in the final round yet too.
1: Are you, are you with him there, Kyle?
3: Well, I'm shook right now because I just looked up John Rahm's total PGA Tour wins and I just realized he only has two. I thought he had like four.
1: No, he's got, well, three. But one of them is a team event. One of them's a Zurich Classic with uh, Ryan Palmer last year.
3: Yeah, that's yeah. Wow. Okay. I don't even. I don't even. I'm. I'm. I'm I've got. I need to regroup. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The the JT the JT stuff. Uh. He. I mean, he he took the 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 Phil Mickelson route at this court. Remember when Phil hit like four fairways a couple years ago and shot like a 67? Yeah just it was, bombed um, it all over the place. It it was crazy and that's what JT tried to do on Sunday and could not. Look, I think the fact that we're all surprised by how he closed says more about JT than how he closed. And and, and what I mean by that is he he he's a closer. You look at the 54 hole uh numbers, he closes them out the majority of the time. Uh this was an outlier. Uh he's going to win 20, 25, 30 times on the PGA Tour. It's just this is this is the trajectory, and I think that you know you're gonna have days like this. You're gonna have tournaments like this where you just can't get it done on the weekend. So I I I think the fact that we're all like, whoa, didn't see that coming. I think that says a lot about where everybody's at with JT right now.
1: A lot of definitely a lot of late tee times for JT in his future. I think it's a he's he's a remarkable player. So it's it's very exciting to watch.
3: Yeah, it it uh it absolutely is. Speaking of tea times, what a what a just a professional setup right there, Greg. <laughs> Supreme 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 Golf has your next tea time at the best price. They do the work for you by comparing different tea time providers at thousands of courses around the world. If you're still calling the course to book your next round, yes, I am talking to you. Search your city, compare prices from every provider and book the right tea time at the right course. Get the best deal at more courses than all other booking sites combined at Supreme com slash the first cut Supreme slash the first cut or on the free Supreme golf app for iOS and Android. Greg, I don't, I'm, I'm not a pro. I can't, I can't professionally throw it back to you, but, uh, That was, that was, that was a great setup.
1: (laughs) Well, I was going to say a great setup is nothing, a professional setup is nothing without a professional read. So very well done on that, my friend. Uh, but, but more to get to here is the one and done update. Uh, one of my favorite parts of the show as we go through our (laughs) season long one and, well, it's my favorite this, it's my favorite this week. I had John Rahm, as I mentioned. Uh, he came in third place and got me a fair number of points, 535,000, but I was not the star of the show. Uh, this week, uh, producer Jacob Hallecks, our superstar producer, was, uh, was the star of the show. He had Bryson DeChambeau, who got 1.1 million points. So very, very well done. And that was a good move for him, because he has vaulted to right behind Kyle Porter, um, our, our namesake and our leader in the one and done pool with the Adam <laughs> Scott pick at the Genesis Open. He's at 2.4. Million for the year so far. Jacob Alex is one, uh, 1. 1.8 million. I'm at 1.4, and we got to go down a little bit of the ways here. Well, let's just say this, Mark. There's a lot of golf left. There's there's oh, a lot of golf left. Mark,
2: here's the Mark. thing. Wait, wait, wait a second, carl I, I will acknowledge that you called Adam Scott. You're a legend, Jake. Jake, I'm sorry that I was pulling against Brian coming down the stretch a little bit over here. Do forgive me, uh, guys. You have fired off a lot of big bullets already, huh? I've I've still got these things in the chamber. So 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 let let's again let's just pump the brakes a little bit. I am a little disappointed with my pick with Dustin Johnson. Yeah,
1: like, I was going to say that's a big bullet.
2: Well, how well I mean, how finished below Sergio Garcia? All right, the, the, this 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 was with love to Sergio, who's a dear friend. Oh my goodness gracious, DJ, he. he uh, he at least he was making a bit of a move in round three and I was watching the scoring there from the booth and I'm like, yeah, look at the boy go. He was like seven and a pile with three holes to play and he finishes bogey double for like four round. and I was like, goodness gracious, this is just what it is. But uh, here we are. We're heading to the Florida swing. The Florida swing guys, is where the big time golfers show up. All right.
3: I, I would have also. I would have lost a lot of money on uh, DJ if you, if I would have bet before the, the tournament that DJ would finish under par. Because that, that was like the lock of the week. Is DJ under par at Chapultepec? He wins two or three. I mean, it, it was crazy that he didn't fi- he finish even par for the week. Um, you know, Mark, I got to say you are like, have you guys seen the uh, the Nick Young meme on Twitter where he shoots the 3 and then he and then he raises his arms like this, and he turns <laughs> around and then it and then it doesn't go in behind him. You see the you see the whole thing? That that is that is Mark in real life after he uh basically christened himself the one and done king and said he was going to roll through the league and now You are, uh, I mean, you're, you're in last by like the, the, the next to last has twice as many points as you. So that's not
2: good. It's embarrassing, but you know what? One of the, you've got to own your mistakes and I'm owning my mistakes right now. Thankfully you guys are full of grace, especially you, Carl. You, you, you're a guy. You're a good soul deep down. I know you are. So I I appreciate your sense of humor, but I love you for being so graceful and and, and I'm owning my mistakes.
3: Greg, Greg, did, does it feel like, Does Rory finishing fifth, so three of us picked Rory, including me, is that a, is that a waste of Rory or is that a good use of Rory? Where do you, where do you land on that?
1: To me, I look at Rory and I, I question what he does in majors. He's not a lock in major championships for me. So I, I love the Rory pick. And Kyle, we've talked about this before. You can't necessarily just say, um, okay, well, judge the pick on the week, like the end result. You you can't just judge the quality of your pick on the end result. I look at Rory McIlroy this week, and I say, that's a great pick. It's a great time to use him. It's as close to a lock as you get, and you got yourself a lot of points. So, no, I don't think it's a, a waste of Rory at all.
2: Hey, I know I'm in the cellar in our one and done league, but may I make a comment on Rory McElroy, please? Kind, kind You gentleman. may speak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, cool. uh, yeah, Rory this week in a guaranteed points thing was a great pick, uh, as I thought Dustin Johnson was going to be. But there's this little event, and I call it little because there's only 30 players right at the end of the season where yeah. Rory is pretty good. Okay, so, uh, I'm, I'm telegraphing, I'm holding Rory until the tour championship.
1: Wow, back to back. That's thirty. That's thirty million dollars for Rory in the last two years, just in one event. That's pretty good. Wait, we
3: don't. We don't get FedEx points, do we? We don't well, get the. See, we don't get the fifteen million, do we?
1: We got to talk about that a little bit because there's no purse other than that for that event. So I don't know. We got to talk to. Oh, uh, uh, this talk is. To the commish. Yeah, this is crooked.
3: What? Yeah. Get Jacob on here. Jacob, turn your mute off. Get on here.
1: What do you say Jacob? We're uh
3: Don't
2: do me wrong now. We're brother. going to open up an investigation. Don't
1: do me wrong. We're going to open up a full investigation in now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got to take it to the pack. We'll have one to take it to the pack uh, and see
2: professional investigation please. Yes. We'll, uh we'll <laughs> take it to the players. Yeah, yeah, we'll take it to we're the really players committee. Total, total uh, cooperation. <laughs> we'll get back to you on that. I don't know uh, if our site will well, allow us to do Tuesday, it or what they we'll sure default. We'll
1: sure we have an answer for that on Tuesday, okay, Jacob? Good, At good. least by Tuesday. That's our <laughs> deadline for the investigation. But uh, another player in the game of golf who I think will definitely be used in some one-and-dumb pools as we get later on in the summer was able to get a win in Puerto Rico, the opposite event, uh, opposite field event this week. It was his first win on the PGA Tour, so we're going to get to that uh, next. But first, let's take a break and hear a word from our partner. those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend, and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
0: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit RobertHalf.com today.
1: For the very first time this week on the PGA Tour, we had, in Puerto Rico, the very first Norwegian to ever win on the PGA Tour. Uh, he, he doesn't receive a Masters invite for this, but it does bump him up uh, around the top 60 in the world. He's going to have a chance to get in. This young player is Victor Hoblin. And last year, Victor Hoblin to me is one of the – I call him one of the kids. He's in this group of kids, Victor Hoblin Matthew Wolf, uh Morikawa, I guess you Joaquin Neiman, you gotta throw in there. It, we I don't really consider Song J M to be in there, even though he's only like twenty two years old or something. Um, um right. but he too, he's only twenty five. Yeah, right? I guess right. Yeah, Justin Thomas is twenty six. But at this point we're getting to PGA Tour events. These guys were all in the in the running for rookie of the year last year on the PGA Tour, except Victor Hovland, who was one of the more consistent players. Um he shot a number of rounds sixty five or better on Sunday. To end the year, it was a phenomenal performance last year, but he still had to go to Corn Ferry Tour Finals. And because Matthew Wolf and Morikawa got wins, he was almost like the the odd man out. And now he has finally joined the pack, uh, getting his first win on the PGA Tour. I think this is first of many wins on the PGA Tour for um, for a guy like Victor Hovland, but we've had a Tony Fina win the Puerto Rico. Wolf, and we thought that was kind of a floodgates theory and it hasn't turned out that way. As far as wins are concerned, when you look at a oh, Victor Hovland, do you think this is one of a, if you think this is a generational great, do you think this is a nice player? Where do you, where do you see his place in the game going forward, Kyle?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, I think that if you look at the numbers and, uh, Somebody did this last year. I can't remember who. I apologize. It might have been on The Athletic. It might have been uh, – I don't know. Anyway, um, his driving numbers are – I mean, they're Rory-like. And we're not talking about, like, one tournament or two tournaments. We're talking about uh, almost a full season because he played a lot last year. And I mean, he played, played the Masters. He played a pretty full schedule, and his – Data is, it's elite. I mean, it's right there with DJ, Rory, Rom, those guys. And so I think if, if that's what you're best at, you're going to have a long career on the PGA tour. Are you going to win a lot? I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was important that he won early on in his career because some of that stuff, I mean, we, and I hate that we do this, but we start comparing guys to JT and to, and to Speeth or Rory or whatever. And it's like, that is so abnormal to win 10 or 12 times by the time you turn 27. Um, but we do it and it, and it puts a burden on these guys. So I was really glad that he got that victory, even in an opposite field event early on, because it, it just, I think it frees him up. And, um, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I think that he has a, I think he has a chance and I, and I predicted that he would be the best out of, uh, out of him, Wolf and Morikawa. You could throw Scotty Scheffler in there. He's not, I don't think he's quite as young as those guys, but. I think Hovland will end up being something like a, I don't know, like a six or seven win with maybe a major guy over the course of his career, which is an amazing career. Um But I don't know; it's early, you know. It, who, the, he's got the curse of the Puerto Rico Open now. Nobody's ever won another event after winning Puerto Rico, so we'll see how it goes.
1: <laughs> Do you think there's any truth to that, Mark? Do you think this is the uh, the the almost like the Madden curse? Is this the end of Victor Hovland as we know it?
2: Well, Jordan Spieth was very much part of the mix there one year, and even fin- I finished second or third, I think it was, in his rookie year, and then went on and won later on in the year at the John Deere and kicked off what was a fantastic career. Um, I, it, that, that has now ended, apparently. And look, three majors. Well, it was
1: enough to get him in the Hall of Fame. So.
2: Yeah, yeah, three major championships. Good old, good grief. I mean, it, 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 folks are handing these things out like they're candy, all right? They're only four a year, and the, the best. <laughs> Show up, and you're going to have things go your way, and you're going to play well at the right time. Um, as far as Hovland goes, <laughs> I, I've seen him hit two shots in a pro-am. I haven't watched him play just yet. I've watched Matthew Wolf play. I've watched Colin Marikawa play. So I've sort of seen how they approach the game. If you just look at him from the eye test and you watch the guy on the range, heck, he's impressive as hell. He is an elite driver. I've watched him hit a drive shot, and it's eye-popping. Um and look, his, his college career was was magnificent. He wins the U.S. Amateur. You don't fall into that. Guys have won the U.S. Amateur. A bunch of them have turned really good in the pros. But then, by the other, on the other side of the coin, there've been a few folks that haven't. As we currently stand, as I look upon Victor Hovland, I'm not surprised he won this event at all. Um, I, I I think he's got everything that it takes. I want to see now how he kicks this on, because every good golfer, or every golfer who's won at every level. The first question that they're that they going to be asking themselves and their coach and their team, to use Jordan's word, is like, okay, what do we do now to follow this up? How do we legitimize this first victory? I've seen guys do this in major championships and make changes and their games went in the wrong direction. I'm keen to see what Victor does now in response to this. He played beautifully last year. He played like a boss in the Corn Furry Finals because that's a lot of pressure to earn himself playing privileges. I just want to see how he backs this thing up, here. I think he can do it. It's now for me a question of, all right, mentally, emotionally, let's let's really see how mature he is. I mean, Matthew Wolf, since that victory at the 3M, he's been okay. He hasn't blown the doors off it. Marikawa, he has backed up his play after the victory at the Barracuda. I think Hovland can kick this on. I really do, but I'm I'm keen to see how the next few months go for him.
1: He definitely seems to be extremely mature to me. He's he's got a calmness about him, uh, in e- in ease about him. He doesn't seem like it's too much pressure for him. It doesn't seem like it's a difficult thing for him to do. So I I think
2: yes, I what think yes, oh, I, I, I want to well, forgive me. Um, I, I didn't get to see any of it because I was on the call today. I flicked through Twitter real fast because I want to see what Carl Porter has to say about Patrick Reed playing well. And then after I've seen that, then I see this meet, I see this tweet by scratch. And they've got Victor Holden going, man, my chipping really sucks or whatever because he chugged a couple of chips. He's got this really cool way of sort of laughing at himself. And the yeah, guy's yeah. free with a smile. And he's not this typical PGA Tour dude that starts hitting you with platitudes like I stayed in the middle of the center of the now and this sort of stuff. Um, he's... To me, he's got that sort of thing going on for him. So I think in terms of maturity and just like he sort of laughs at himself, I think that's going to help him actually.
1: I also heard he listens to like extremely heavy, extremely heavy, heavy metal music. Like, like, it's, it's very bizarre. I forget where I heard this, but I, I heard him talking about it somewhere. It was, it, it was, uh, <laughs> extremely bizarre, but to hear him talk about it is hysterical how he fell into it. So I, I I'm a huge fan of Victor Olin. I think he's got a bright future ahead of him, no doubt.
3: Can we talk about how good that 2018 Oklahoma State team was? <sighs> Boy, Christopher Ventura, start. Matthew Wolf, Austin Eckrode. Victor Havel, I mean, it, it's, it's, and, and I think the college stuff, like, you, you sometimes have to look back and say, oh, this team was, that was crazy that all those guys were on that team. And I think we're going to do that with that OSU team, not uh, to turn this
1: into an OSU think is the best podcast. of them? That, that, Who's the best of the bunch? Uh,
2: I would say, i i goodness, I, I'd say Havelin with love to Matthew Wolf, but that, that yeah. was an all time team. I'm I going to tell you this is the captain of that Arnold Palmer International Cup team. The first thing when I got that gig, the first phone call I made was to Alan Bratton to make sure this boy was going to be available for the team. And I chased <laughs> him all over the show to try and get Hovland, but he was turning professional, so it didn't happen. Uh, so, so that sort of speaks to, you know, my impressions of, of who he is. Yeah.
1: Well, I think he made the right choice to turn professional. There's no question <laughs> about that. <I> <laughs> He's
2: definitely. All week.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, um, let's just say I'm glad I still have him in my one and done because I, I do uh, I do think he's going to have a great year on the PGA Tour and a, a great career to boot. So, anything else we want to add, boys? Any any we want to we want to put a bow on any of this that we talked about today? He's uh, Victor Hovland
3: within six spots of uh, Jordan Spieth's world ranking.
2: Wow, and then where's, then where's Scotty Scheffler in relation to that?
3: Scheffler's 50th, Spieth is 54th, and Victor Hovland is 60th. Havon still has work to do to get in the Masters, so winning Puerto Rico doesn't get him in. It does get him in the players, gets him his card for two years, but he's gotta get it, he's either gotta win again or get into the top 50 by what, Texas Open week, Mark? That uh, is. to, I think so, to, yeah. to, to get into the Masters. So, uh, you know, he played well there last year. I, I think if he gets in, he has a, you know, legit top 25 shot, something like that, but, uh, he's still got work to do to get in. But no, look, like it was, it was a super fun week. I think sometimes we talk about golf and especially the casual fans like, well Tiger's not playing. I guess I'm not watching golf this week. And and that's fine. Like I totally understand that. But the the, the course in Mexico, I referenced this earlier. I I think it's kind of great. Like I don't know if it's actually good, but it produces these crazy fun uh events with I mean obviously all WGCs have great leaderboards, but uh, it's just been, a—I—I I have a blast watching golf played on that course. And so you've got that going on, you've got Puerto Rico, which was super intriguing. I watched that for 20 or 30 minutes where Hovland beats, uh, Josh Teeter, who, who gets, you know, he's in tears afterwards. Like it, it was a really, really fun week of golf, even without Tiger. And I think, he, you know, you throw Tiger on top of that and it becomes, uh, it becomes even better. So I, I could not be more excited about just where everything's at, heading into March, heading into the players and, and the Masters and everything.
2: Hey, Tim, to, to that, I just want to talking about Victor in the world ranking. It's a two-year sliding running scale. And, and someone like a Jordan Spieth has got a bunch of good results dropping off now. So he's effectively losing points. Where well, Hovland's not in that situation. So just one or two more good finishes over the next few weeks, and he's going to soar into the top, whatever it is. So I feel pretty confident we'll see him at Augusta National in, in, in April. And as far as this week's golf has gone, I mean, I'm down here in Mexico City. The golf course, Kyle, is awesome. It is absolutely awesome. The fans were tremendous. The people down here were so great. They treat everybody so well. Uh, and and this every year you look at the leaderboard at this place, and, and the, the show horses, they show up, and they, they get to the top of the leaderboard. So uh, it, it's becoming a global game. The PGA Tour is, is showing off. They're best to the world, and, and, and it, it was it was cool to be on yeah. And tacos and margaritas, just saying.
1: There you go. To Get an extra one for me. I love the sounds of that. You know what I love about this golf course is there's trees. You have trees. So players take on these risk-reward moments, and when they miss, there's a real penalty. But there's also, at the same time, a chance to recover. So you kind of have this blend of you see real recovery shots, not just shots out of the rough. Right, not just shots, you know, from a fairway bunker. You see shots around and under trees, and up and over, and curving and rolling along the ground. You get there's a there's a ton of variety when you get on this kind of narrow, old school, tree lined course. So I, I thought it was really a a joy to watch, a pleasure. Um, and I like the short nature of it. There's like I said, there's so much variety where you have guys hitting 220 yard seven irons because of the altitude. And then at the same time, they got to hit a seven iron for a hundred yards because they got to go under a tree. So you really see some, some skills show up in an event like this. And, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan. I can't wait again for, for next year because it's, it just seems to be a great tournament. So, um, but anyway, gentlemen, I want to thank you for joining me today. It's been a great show. As you said, Kyle, a great week in the game of golf. Mark, I hope you get home safe from mexico city so safe travels to you buddy for sure enjoy those tacos and those margaritas um but here on the first cut i'm greg ducharme you can get me on twitter at the real gfd kyle porter you can get on twitter at kyle porter cbs and mark immelman you can get on twitter at mark underscore immelman that's all for you uh that's all we have for you this time and if you liked what you heard please give us a a rating a five-star rating give us a, a little review as well if you liked what you heard so we we greatly appreciate that that's all for us tonight we'll see you next time